I'm Lamil Gonzalez, Repentant Sinner, and along with Amity Armstrong, your heavenly host, I invite you to find a place in the pew for today's painless Sunday school lesson, Without Works. Welcome to a still quarantined Without Works. We come to you from our sheltering in place. This week we will discuss Jesus, the Christ, in The More You Know. Before we get there, we're going to talk about the right way to hold a Bible in a brief installment of Not Necessarily the Good News. Good ways to hold the Bible. In both hands. Under your arm. Resting on your lap. Or with a lectern. Bad ways to hold the Bible. Upside down. In your fist. Over your head. As though it were a bludgeoning weapon. After ordering peaceful protesters and clergy tear-gassed and removed so you could be photographed in front of a church that you've never set foot in and where you do not pray. On Monday, June 1st, 2020, Donald Trump did just this, and it was nothing short of obscene. While researching what to say, because there's both a lot to say and nothing to say when the offense is so blatant, I found an opinion piece by William J. Barber II and Jonathan Wilson Hartgrove, published in the Washington Post, and I want to read what they wrote because they said it better than I could. This is only part of their piece. The link to the whole thing is in the show notes. We read the prophet Isaiah's cry, Woe unto those who legislate evil, make women and children their prey, and we know it is a challenge to this administration and any political leadership that neglects its responsibility to care for the poor and most vulnerable in our society. We read the prophet Jeremiah, crying out against those who say, peace, peace, when there is no peace. We hear it as a call to listen to the grief of Americans who are not only weary of racialized police violence, but also of a pandemic that has fallen disproportionately on black, brown, and poor communities, who are often asked to do the essential work of food preparation, sanitation, and bodily care. We read Jesus saying, Woe unto you, hypocrites! You have neglected the weightier matters of the law. And we know that at the very heart of our faith, we are called to challenge those who try to twist belief to use it for their own ends. The Bible as a talisman has real political power, but we believe the words inside the book are more powerful. If we unite across lines of race, creed, and culture to stand together on the moral vision of love, justice, and truth— that was proclaimed by Jesus and the prophets, we have the capacity to reclaim the heart of this democracy and work together for a more perfect union. To do that, we need to read the Bible and live it, not wave it for the cameras. That is really well put. Yeah, I know. I was like, well, I'm not going to do better. I think that what's worrying to me is that this was a signal to the evangelicals who support him. He knew that it would be a photo opportunity for them. Right. To see him hold the Bible over the battlefield that he just won. And and several of them right. have come out staunchly against the act. Right. And then the other ones just didn't say anything. Though I didn't hear a lot of, yay, that was the right thing to do. Right. It was a lot of no and silence. And, it's and silence is a set. Some consent. of the voices that came out against him. I yes. never expected to agree with Pat Robertson yes. again. No. But. <laughs> right. You're like, well, those days are over. Right, but I thought that was, uh, it, it was interesting that he took a stand against it, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I believe what he said was, you just don't do that. It's not <laughs> cool. To which I said, you're a hundred-year-old man. I need you to not use that phrase ever again. But he, uh, but, but what Trump did, it seemed as if he was so 
upset that he had been characterized as hiding in a bunker the night yes. before. That he needed to make a public show of force. And this is really a lot of what his response to these perfectly legitimate mm-hmm. freedom of expression, this mm-hmm. for a, a genuine horrible injustice. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, 400 years of genuine right, horrible injustice. Genuine, yeah. In this particular case, yes. this is a tipping point. I think that we're alive to see it, where it's sort of gone in the other direction now, and we're beginning to see the change. And he doesn't want that. He wants, no. like, the whole conservative ideology is to preserve a society for themselves and their children that basically functions the way that they're familiar with, mm-hmm. with no changes. And so this, yeah. Not this, just familiar with, but mm-hmm. that coddles them. Or a culture that protects them. Yeah. And so, yeah. I don't understand. I think that a conservative point of view, I don't think it's sustainable in the world because I don't understand how people expect to stop change. It's probably sustainable in some places. I do not believe it is sustainable in the United States. Well, it's too big. It's too big. And by 2030, we're going to be a majority minority com- country. Right. And at that point, you can't it won't be much longer that the white supremacist power structure could stay in place. It's going to be toppled one way or the other. So they could be uh, a hand in helping, uh-huh. or they could be guillotined like the French were. Like, though, that's going to be what it comes down to when I, it really comes down to I don't want it to it. come to that extreme, obviously. I don't either. But I think that it's coming, it, the constant refusal to... To sort of move with the current of the times. Mm-hmm. And I, the, what the picture I get when I see him holding that Bible, first of all, he's holding it really badly. It's, it and he looks, looks terrible. Like he's holding it like a bludgeon. Yeah, that's what um, I said. Right. <laughs> but like, he's going to conk someone over the head with it. Mm-hmm. But Jesus is not a weapon. Right. <laughs> Which came we to mind that too. From lost. <laughs> um, but it reminds me of uh, King Canute trying to stop the waves from coming in. He's, he's declared that this is where the ocean sto- the oh. sea stops. and he's It's go- weird that the sea doesn't listen to you. Right, and it's man. just you know, lapping around his ankles, yeah. and it's like, no, I'm the king. I've commanded it to stop, and so it feels very much like that. That's a, that's a risky move, King. <laughs> right? Do you really believe that you're going to be able to do this? Because if so, then you need to not be in power anymore, and if you thought that maybe by chance it would work out for you... The fact that you did this in public was a bad idea, dude. It's and just yeah, not cool. I, I As just, Pat Robertson. <laughs> Quoting Pat Robertson, which not might cool. not happen too often on this program. It's not cool, dude. Just, It's not cool. I might just yeah, have a little sign like a Wile E. Coyote that just, right. it's not, it's just not cool, Pat yeah. Robertson. And I'll just hold it up for <laughs> all the, it's just not cool. Just quote, quote it at the most appropriate and sometimes inappropriate Perfect. times. Next up, we are putting the Christ in Jesus Christ in this week's The More You Know. Last time we talked about Jesus the man separate from Jesus the Christ. The distinction being Jesus the historical figure lived and died about 33 AD, founding a religious movement, and Jesus the Christ, Son of God, Savior of the world. To secular people, the transition from Jesus to Christ is puzzling. How did this carpenter attain this exalted position? We learned last week about the many attempts to separate Jesus, the teacher, the philosopher, from the divine Christ. We also learned that it is not only difficult to do, but for practical purposes impossible. So when did the transition take place? Here's the inside scoop. It never did. If you believe Uh that Mary was uh, made pregnant by God, Uh I forgot the word, 
and I don't want to be crass, so uh-huh. that's fine. Then, yeah, you can't separate the divinity from the man. You right. just can't. So I just don't believe that. <laughs> but we don't have to go over that. That's fine. I don't believe that. I do not believe that Mary was free impregnated not, by God. You're so, free not to believe So that. I can keep them separate. Right. You can keep them separate. But what I mean is the idea that there was a historical time when we transitioned from Jesus to Christ is kind of a construct right. by some scholars. Yeah. It, <laughs> Because basically what you have to do is go from conception to birth, uh-huh. divine. Right. From birth to crucifixion, man. From crucifixion on, divine. That's what you'd have to do, right? Well, what we in the well, church would at emphasize. Least, or from resurrection right, on. Right, <laughs> is that Jesus has a dual nature. The same way that we all do. We have a spiritual Gemini, nature. Gemini, but he's an Aquarius. He's not an Aquarius. He's... We he might have be a Gemini. <laughs> a dual nature, and that comes from being spiritual and physical at the same time. He's the same as us in a lot of ways, only he's a lot more. I kind of would liken it maybe to what you think of a person is. Do you think of it us as our meat bag, or do you think of us as the animating factor? I think whatever that, that is. Right. What I think of, and what Christianity. Or do you think to, of us as? Both of those what things. is to say is that we're not our physical selves. The physical self is obviously very important. It influences sometimes what we say and do. Our restrictions, people who are born handicapped, right. people who are born blind, it's going to obviously influence their outlook and well, their point of view. people who are born uh, of certain ethnicities in certain places. Well, I was talking about things that weren't, that were, well, you're right. That's an right, because well. that's, that's the same. Right. I, I'm not saying that being born black in America is being is the same as being born blind. Mm-hmm. Your privileges come from somewhere, and right. your disadvantages come from various places. But you, the vessel that your soul is in, if we want to call it a soul, which I'm not partial or uh-huh. impartial what to would that you call term. It? I, I don't. Okay. I don't. I don't like soul. I think it... Well, so here's the unfortunate part. I prefer part something like spirit. Everything that we're discussing <laughs> is that there are 2,000, in Christianity in particular, yeah. the terms yeah. that we've informed the world of, is that there's 2,000 years of tradition and ideas attached to it. Yeah. So sometimes, and it seems a and, lot of loaded words. And or, it's it has deeply a to ingrained it. in our media as right. well. So, like the media, like the books that I've read right. and the TV well, shows also, that I've watched. So, soul is a comfortable word to say, even if it's not. If all the connotations that come with it uh-huh. are not aligned with right. my thoughts on the subject, it still is the sort of easiest thing to slide into terminology-wise because it's every in everywhere. It's right. everywhere. So, but Jesus, in the instances he gave, though the physical body is important, at the same time he emphasizes that the individuality is in the soul, or the individuality is separate rather from the physical body because eventually the body dies and rots right and not if you're that pope that's in the vatican well the body dies but (laughs) something else continues on afterwards there's an existence after us which was a central part of his teaching is a thought with jesus christ particularly Uh and yeah christ is not a last name that's a key thing like that is christ is a title it's a title right like uh mahatma right Gandhi. I think that's a good example, yeah. Um, people or, think his name is Mahatma Gandhi. That's his name not is Mahandas Mahandas. Gandhi. Right. 
is his name. Mahatma mm-hmm. was the title, right? So, and I think Buddha is also mm-hmm. technically a title, right? It's not, it's nobody's name. It's a right, because stage uh, <laughs> or whatever. So is thought within Christian thinking that Christ was able to do the things that he was able to do, not just the he- healing and mir- miracle pieces of what he was able to do, but also uh, change hearts and minds because of his divinity? There seems to be evidence that they thought both things, that What's he both was able to convince them from the power of his words and to be compelling, and also the fact that a lot of his influence and his charisma came from the fact that he was something other. Okay. To go back to the point that we were making, what I meant to, when I say that, that he always, that it never happened, there was not a transition point historically, is it means mm-hmm. that Jesus was always seen by the Christ even as during his lifetime by his disciples. This was a term being used right. in those 33 and years. And we're going to investigate that in okay. a moment. Uh, Jesus' appearances after death, something we discussed in the Good Friday episode, sealed mm-hmm. the conviction of his disciples and followers. And you're like, is that a bold Including statement to Thomas. make? Right. It's, is there evidence to support this? And this is where we start. Once upon a time, there was a very problematic apostle named Paul. He's a, he's mean. I don't like him. He has closed mind. Well, Paul was very much trying to start a church, and Jesus was starting a fire. Yeah, and he's not a fan of the ladies or the gays. Well, yes, because he associated uh, homosexuality in any form with idol worship. That was his and the opinion. Greeks, right? The, and the Romans. Oh, Romans. Romans me. as the culture that he was familiar with, where there was institutionalized oh, right. pederastry. Yes. So we will have to talk about Paul in a future episode, mostly because he casts a long shadow over the Christian faith. You've been the, teasing a Paul episode. Always in the most positive way. Well, I thought we should start with Jesus before yeah, we get no, to Paul. No, that's fine, but we should put Paul on the books, because right, you've been absolutely. teasing him since we started the show. <laughs> right. Preview of coming attractions. Paul, the real story. In this particular example, he provides us a clue to support the idea that Jesus was always the Christ. Now, Paul was, do you, do you know anything about him, or are you familiar with him other than... Uh, no, I know that he had thoughts, and he was not popular necessarily in his thoughts. Like he, uh, Not even in his time. No. Yeah. And he went against, was it Mark? He went against uh, Peter. Peter. Like, one of them thought you had to be Jewish to be Christian, right? Well, there were conflicts that he had with... Was, the, that, what, was that those two, um, or maybe not? Yeah, he was having conflicts with the way that Peter gave deference to some of the Jewish Christians ahead of the Gentile Christians. Oh, interesting. Because uh-huh. one of my understanding was one whole faction, and I thought it was one of these two, uh-huh. was like, if you want to be a Christian man... You better get yourself right. circumcised. circumcised. And <laughs> as he was an very adult much against that. In two, oh, he was against that. He was, was against the idea that okay. people become circumcised, and then he, in a move that has, it makes it very hard to proselytize your religion. Right. I will say that because he was because we don't have anesthesia. Right. Well, <laughs> and these were grown men, and the, right that were being, and, and at first he was also practicing this and practicing uh, circumcision for converts. And then moved on, and then in a tradition that will forever... I, I remember having Jewish friends who were cool with Jesus, but hated Paul. Because Paul's notion was to throw out Jewishness, if necessary, to become Christians. So he didn't see it as an extension of Judaism. He just kind of was willing to throw it out and called his Jewish education the fertilizer that Christianity came up out of. To explain who he was, he was a very energetic evangelist, who after his miraculous conversion 
spread the gospel to the first, first to Jewish religious bodies in far-flung parts of the Roman Empire, and later to Gentiles too. And on one occasion, and it might have been about 57 AD, we can't be all that accurate about dates. Paul was, he was there, he was one of the people that knew Jesus. No, he okay. did not. This is an important thing. So okay, he did not know, he did not. Let's start with how he, how he knew of Jesus, or when he, he found He knew him. of Jesus in the very er, uh, beginning of the book of Acts, which is a sequel to the Gospel of Luke, written by the same man. Uh, The Gospel of Luke is a really well-researched Life of Christ story that actually seems to interview some of the people who were alive in Jesus' lifetime. And then the book of Acts are the Acts of the Apostles, the the beginning of the early church. Um, And we meet Paul in the beginning of that book, uh, Peter has already gone on and taken the mantle of leadership. James has taken uh, on the founding churches. And Peter and James are both the original who, disciples. They, disciples. Well, Thank Peter you. was the disciple, more or less. I'm getting the word apostle and disciple mixed up in my head, so that right. is my fault, and I'm sorry. They become leading figures in the church, but Paul, at the time his name was Saul, is very much a conservative. He does not like these changes taking place in the church. He does not like this conversion in Jesus' name and all the things that this is beginning to imply. I love that he's conservative for a thing that's like 20 years old. When you say I'm conservative and I don't like that things are changing, you think that the things that are changing are older than 20 years old. No, 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 they are. No, he's talking, when I say conservative, he's, this, at this point, he's not a Christian. Okay, what you're he, talking about the, you're talking yes, about in Judaism. In Saul, right. Okay, okay. He, he is a very overzealous traditional Jew. Okay, thank and you. what he does is get permission from the temple to persecute, harass, and in some cases have killed members of the early Christian church. St. Stephen was a victim of one of his campaigns against the Christians in Jerusalem. He's going off with the blessings of the high priest, the same one that ordered the death of Jesus, to go off to small communities where Christian churches have sprung up, seize their property. Basically, he's an inquisitor. And while he's on his way to Damascus, he's blinded by a light from the sky, and he hears a voice telling him that this is Jesus, whom you've persecuted. And go to Damascus and find out the things you'll have to suffer because of me. So he wanders into Damascus. A man finds him, who man had been in prayer, the story is, finds Saul and preaches to him. And at first, when Saul converts, he changes his name to Paul. And nobody wants to accept him, including Peter, who said, just a few months ago, you were killing us. So why don't you, to make sure that you're not going to have this radical conversion, and this isn't uh, an attempt to insinuate yourself into the Christian church and find out who's running the churches and who to to, um, take to uh, trial, we're going to send you away for a while. You can't preach, you can't just sit here and learn, learn from the other disciples if you're really serious about this and this is not some sort of uh, attempt to become a mole in the community, then we'll know at the end of this trial period, which he submitted to, because he thought it was a good idea. Um, Paul became this very active evangelist, going to different parts of, as I said, churches, synagogues in the Roman Empire, teaching them, starting churches everywhere. And about 57 AD, when he was visiting Jerusalem, his presence there enraged some of them, again, some of the same traditional Jews that at one point were running with him to prose- to persecute Christians. They seized him and attempted to kill him. And Paul... Like, how dare you turn on us? Right. Okay. They're, they're dragging him out to stone him. And he sees some Roman soldiers. And he says, wait, I'm a Roman citizen. 
I have a right to appeal to a Roman governing body to see whether or not this death sentence that I'm being given right now is even valid. Right. So this it seems like the short answer to that would be no. But well, he was given some time because again, the Romans didn't interfere with internal laws, particularly about religion. But when he made such a point of appealing to the Roman soldiers, saying, "I am a Roman citizen mm-hmm. and a, a and a free man," so then I I appealed to my right as a, a member of of the Roman Empire or as a citizen of the Roman Empire. So he was taken under custody, and his case kept getting commuted and. And, um, was he out on bail or whatever? No, he was under house arrest for two years. Oh, geez. And during this time, he wrote letters to all these churches that he founded everywhere, including one in Greece. Um, so the tactic that he had worked for a couple of years. Uh, he appealed to a Roman governor, then to an emperor, the emperor himself. And uh, during that time, he was under house arrest, and he used to write, he wrote those letters. Mm-hmm. In a letter written to the church at Philippi about 62 AD, and Philippi is a metropolitan center in Greece, he included what is often referred to as a poem or a hymn, although it doesn't have any kind of, apparently in Greek, it doesn't have a musical cadence to it, so they're thinking it was part of a, a fragment of an earlier teaching. Okay. And again, this is 62 AD. So he writes, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death on the cross. Therefore God also has highly exalted him and given him the name, which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven and those in earth and those under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Oh, is this our first hell? Well, this is also, it's a reference to something that doesn't make very clear what it means when it says under the earth. Right, okay. So I'll leave that be because that's not the point of our thing, but yeah. But what I just read you was the Christian concept of Jesus, right? Right, he came Entirely here, intact. He, yeah, yeah. And this is less than 30 years after the crucifixion. Uh, now. Well, 67, it might be like 35 years. Oh, 60, was it 62? Yeah, they're thinking that he died in 33 and this and is. And then, okay, 62, gotcha. Now, 62. So, scholars agree that this is a quotation from the earlier text. Um, It was a citation that would be familiar to listeners at this church. The date of that fragment is much older, and some scholars think that they can place it as early as 49 AD. 40 or 49? Excuse me, 40 AD. So, So as early as seven years after. Yes, seven years after the crucifixion, there was... He is divine. Right, he is divine. He came to earth. He's part of God. So if it is that old, then it shows that immediately this was the belief. Well, I would think that the belief would come if it wasn't there while he was there preaching to them and changing Mm -hmm. water into wine. Right. It would have come the three days after the crucifixion. Right. Like, I I think once that happens, if once you're gonna believe, walking around and having then you believe. You, yes, if you're right. not gonna believe, then that's fine. You're not part of this. But if you're going to believe this, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure that that's the day right. that it, that it happens. I, in terms of people who didn't see it themselves, because right. these people in Greece didn't, you know, no, of course, um, th- it was already the creed that they were accepting. But isn't it a stronger thing to say? He's not just a cool dude. Right. He's God. Well, like, doesn't that kind of, isn't that a stronger impetus position? Towards, 
Yeah, but it, what, what I'm bringing and out is... And if your whole point is to get your religion out there and as wide as possible, you don't want to come with, I got a cool dude up in here. You want to come with, I got, the, I got God. I got straight well, up God and I know what he said. If it wasn't for the fact that the people who actually were there at the time believed it when he was alive as well. Right. No, that's true. Right. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're spreading this. And that's the, the second thing. Where you're, and this is why it's important to remember, if the entire theology was already basically intact within about 30 years, but in mm-hmm. some cases it might have been less than 10, then that tells you pretty much that the whole movement of the set of ideas was already in place. It was in place. So before the Gospels were written, as far as we can tell, the poem gave an easy-to-memorize creed, the same way that people remember the Apostles' Creed now, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the Gospels are often questioned for the historical accuracy, but they seem to get that point right. Jesus was established in this uniquely Christian theology before there was a church as such. Mm-hmm. If we go back further, and this is, a, I mean, we're um, going back further historically, but in written time, it's closer to us. The earliest manuscript we have for the Gospel of Matthew places it between 85 and 95 AD. Okay, so we're talking about two generations later. Right. Uh, there's a quote of a conversation between uh, Jesus and his disciples, a private conversation. He asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, Some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. This goes on to describe the office of what, uh, in the early church, they took the first leader of the church to be. Okay, so they... Okay, first of all, Simon, Peter... Bar Jonah. Right. His name was originally Simon. Okay. And he gets called Simon Peter afterwards because Peter is Greek for the rock. Okay. So, okay. Thank you. That's helpful. Uh Because I'm like, maybe he was talking about the physical location. No, no. Yeah. So what I mean, you don't know that. You weren't there. So (sighs) often with, in that particular time, you had one name and the name, your family name. The same way that you say Amity Armstrong, it would be Simon Bar Jonah or Ben, like, Ben, ben, yeah, Ben, right, right Ben, the yes. son of her. Ben Israel, Ben, right. yes. So that's the way they got referred so to. So that's son, son of? Right, son right, of. Okay. So it would be the same so. as giving you your last name. Um, real quick on this. Uh-huh. This is what the Pope is supposed to be now? Right. Okay. He's, he's taking the office of the Pope. I mean, the Pope is taking the office of Peter, who was the first uh, head of the church. Gotcha. And this is where Jesus gives the reins of it all to Peter. As you can see, this is during Jesus. The story takes place during Jesus' lifetime. So Jesus was like, "Oh yeah, I'm definitely the Son of God. And yes. I'm definitely uh, God." Yeah, he said it. Where's our other Christs? Like there are other Mahatmas. What Saint Paul does in later, um, in later writing, to, uh, writing abroad, is that he compares Jesus to Melchizedek, who is a very mysterious figure from the very early times of the Old Testament, who knew Abraham and had no beginning or end. But we don't know very much about him because whatever other writings existed other than the Bible haven't survived into our time. So the suggestion is that Jesus was almost, it it seemed like, and I don't want to make this to be 
a theological point because I don't want to okay. go there necessarily yet, but that like Jesus manifested at different times in different places. No, but I don't mean uh-huh. this Christ. Mm-hmm. I mean any other Christ. Like the the if Christ is a title, mm-hmm. is he the one and only? He's the one and only. Okay. Now, as you see then, here, so did he make it up? No, it was a it's a term that was given. They were you know. It was a term that was... I have a degree in linguistics. Let's talk about it. But the the point I'm trying to make is that, as you see in the earlier verse, when the other disciples are asked, they're saying, well, some think you're John the Baptist, who died recently. Some think you're Elijah, who died a long time ago. It'd be wild if he was John the Baptist, because didn't John the Baptist baptize him? Right, he met him, so... And then others are... That's not how that works. Which shows you (laughs) the kind of beliefs that were common at the time. Which like was, sometimes you just wake up and you well, the soul of someone who died yesterday of the, is the, Like the soul took over the mantle. In other words, the spiritual mantle takes over Jesus. I mean, I and, guess that's what happened with the Dal- happens with the Dalai Lama, right? right? The, like, the kind of belief that they, they don't. Have. Well, they, I'm not. I can't speak to that okay. one exactly because I don't want to be yes, inaccurate no, about fair. somebody we else's did. faith. Yeah, that's fair. But they believed almost as if the the spiritual energy of Saint uh, of uh, John the Baptist went to Jesus. Mm, That's one belief. Or some of them believe in something like reincarnation because they're saying, well, some say you're Elijah and Elijah Wait, died hundreds of years hundreds ago. Hundreds of years ago. That's the one we leave a faith for? Right, okay. we do. Or some say Jeremiah, which we, who's a, a prophet that we quoted earlier. But here, Peter comes across and says, oh no, you're that one. You're the, you know, not one of the great prophets. Okay. You're this other thing. So this word is has only ever been applied to him. Right. I don't know that we can call it a title then, but that's fine. All right, so, <laughs> but to go back to that, so this is a declaration where Peter already was believing Jesus to be God, although worshiping and praying to Jesus as God was not practiced until after the resurrection. It's tacky to just pray to somebody who's that's standing there. there. And he, he, he's also seemed to like not like that kind of attention, which is very No, he wants you to pray funny. at home, quietly, yeah. to yourself. So we don't need all the of The practice this. seems to be that you approached God through Jesus as an intermediary. Now, the Gospel of John, which is the most le- recently written, as far as we can tell, of the Gospels, and recent being a, a right. relative term, makes a point of this. And this is John chapter 14, verses 13 and 14. I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me anything in my name and I will do it. So there, the position was you didn't worship Jesus as much as you asked God in Jesus' name for your petitions yeah, or what Jesus you needed. Yeah, in Jesus' name is the whole right, thing. Right, which is still done. Yes. But at the time, this is how they approached it. They weren't, you know, sitting there worshiping him. So John's Gospel has a, a vigorously debated line, timeline. Some scholars say it's as early as 70 AD and others as late as 110 AD. The later date would place it 77 years and the earlier place at 40 from the crucifixion. The Gospel begins with a very cosmic and entirely divine Jesus manifesting from the outside of time and space into the historical world. And that's the very famous, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And it's this beautiful opening passage talking about God becoming incarnate. Although it doesn't it, that's enough for the writer of the Gospel of John where he doesn't even mention the virgin birth or anything. He just talks about that. And then there was a... And baby. then it's like, and then the next thing is, and then we meet John the Baptist in the desert. So he's strictly concerned not with... How old was Jesus when he met John the Baptist? Um, we don't know. We're thinking that he was, if his ministry lasted uh, only a few years, uh, he might have been as old as 30 years old. We just know that he wasn't 50. Okay. So oh, he, okay, but it wasn't when he was a kid. See, no. I didn't. I also I thought that they had well, met when they he, when they were. He younger. might have met him earlier, but it starts with him meeting John the Baptist to be baptized. They're cousins, remember? 
So they might have grown up together, they might have known each other, but right, right. Uh, in terms of the first time that we see them officially meeting... They're both grown They're both and grown men, the and they're already in their, their positions they're about to be in life. So what we can see is that from John on, whether it's 70 AD or 110, we start seeing if there is such a thing as a transition, that's when it happens. Because if we remember the people, the early church was made up of people saying... I saw Jesus, he did this, or I yeah. saw him after the resurrection, we had dinner. I'm not joking, that's actually that's a, thing. Yeah. a thing. So um, what happened now is that we're very far away. If we are at the later date, we're 77 years away from anybody, you know, from his That's two death. full generations. So it's... Maybe three. All given. the old timers in the congregation who remembered were going away, they were dying. And so it became important to remember him, but the way that they remembered him again was... When you look at, and it's it's odd because I know that a lot of people have the issues with the virgin birth story, but the virgin birth story was the least of what concerned people. It was almost as if they didn't. Um, he, the narratives that are written later, the, the latest one rather, doesn't concern itself with his birth at all. Just the fact that he manifests and he appears in the desert, and he's very abruptly starts his his public mission. So I think that. That transition, the closest we can find is when he no longer became the face that people remembered. That brings us to the end of this week's episode. If you like it, please subscribe and leave us a review. And share it with a friend. We have an internet home with OutWorksPodcast.com. Our show notes, links to stories that we talk about, and transcripts for our episodes can be found there. We're also reachable at WithoutWorksPod at gmail.com, on Twitter at WithoutWorksPod, and on Facebook by searching Without Works Podcast up in the search bar. All of those links are found on our website, so have a look around there. I've been Lemuel, she's been Amity, and we urge you to stay inside and do something good.